Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gun and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, just how incredible was The Incredibles 2? Why are people panicking over Nintendo? And what kid's character still scares Josh even today? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. Hey everyone, we're back for another episode of the pop culture cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you tuning into our shows each and every week. They appear on your podcast or radio networks. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is the, I guess, man who covered it all when it comes to E3 2018. You got to check out all the great videos right now on E3 2018 at Humanica Media on YouTube and check out all the great stuff coming to all of his Humanica Media podcasts. It's my good friend. It's Josh Peterson. What up, man? Hey, hey, hey. Just wrapping up a long, long week, man. Getting out some E3 interviews, some footage, some footage, which will be up on the web soon. You can check that out. But, you know, man, just dancing the dance and walking the, uh, walking the old pop culture beat. Well, I'll tell you what, there are over, I think, 20, last time I checked, different gameplay videos from the floor at E3 2018 that you can check out right now. It's at Humanica Media on YouTube, and you can check out Mutant League Football. He covered the Adventure Time game, Trials Rising, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, Kingdom Hearts 3, Spider-Man, Valkyria Chronicles, Mega Man 11, Skull and Bones. Dragon Ball Fighter Z, My Hero Once Justice, Divinity Original Sin 2, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and even more than that, it's all right there. Gameplay video of each of these great games. It's available now on the Humanica Media YouTube channel. It's going to be a great episode we got for you today. Speaking of Josh, he's going to share later in the episode on a clip from one of the most recent Topicocalypse shows. He's going to be talking about childhood character that still traumatizes him to this day and you can always tell when he's on the radio that it still traumatizes him he's going to talk a little bit more about that later in the episode plus we're going to be talking about wonder woman 84 which is the sequel to the big hit from last year from dc who is appearing on the set of the latest film and what is that all about when it comes to possible spoilers from the original we're going to delve more into that. And why are stockholders concerned about Nintendo? That's also going to be something we're going to bring up later in the show because Nintendo shares took a nosedive right after the conference. And we're going to touch on that a little bit more here later in the program. 
But first, Josh, Incredibles 2 had a huge, absolutely huge opening for an animated film. It is now in the domestic marketplace, the biggest opening by far all time as far as an animated film, garnering an estimated $180 million here in the U.S. So I ask you, Josh, with all that said and done here in the first weekend for the film, it looks like it's really going to be a big hit. A-plus cinema score, great Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic scores. I've actually seen the film myself and have a lot to say about it, but I want to hear your thoughts first on the phenomenon known right now as The Incredibles 2. I'm glad it's doing well. I'm glad people are liking it. First one was a really good movie. People I've talked to who have seen it are telling me that it is the perfect superhero movie. What are your thoughts? And then I'm going to mute my headphones so that uh, you can go on here. Okay, hold on one second. Well, I'll tell you what. We might be going to into some slight spoilers territory. So if you're still on the way to go see the film like Josh, please go ahead and might want to turn it down a little bit. But I will try to avoid as much as I can. First off, I'm going to talk about the film itself overall. As a film, I've always said before, as far as the Pixar films are concerned, The Incredibles is, in my opinion, the best film of the entire Pixar library. And you can pretty much throw a blanket over Incredibles and The Incredibles 2 because Incredibles 2 is pretty much, in my opinion, as good of a movie as its predecessor. It is everything that you can do and everything that you can want and everything you can hope for in a sequel for a movie. Not only is it just entertaining, has it's been updated. The animation is just fresh and clear and, and just so colorful and bright. Everything pops out on screen when you're watching it. So beautiful to look at. The story itself, it does in many ways mirror the original Incredibles concept, but it does flip it on its end a little bit from another vantage point. The first one focused on more of Mr. Incredible. This time, it's more focused on Elastigirl and her adventures, which was a nice change of pace. It did not lack for action. It was just truly an awesome movie to go see. And uh, it just, the, as far as what you're going for, as far as the, the whole family concerned, Mr. Incredible taking on his own adventure, trying to take care of the kids in a role reversal that demonstrates a lot more of, of what today's society about the changing roles as far as parenthood and the whole family concept are concerned. But even with all those changes and things flip-flopping where the father takes a new role, mother takes on a new role, these things are just really mesh well together, but the importance of family is still there. There are new characters introduced, the new enemy that's introduced, the screen slayer, that part of it, as far as it doesn't get really delved into very much because it turns out to be a little bit of a surprise on who that actually is. Although if you're listening carefully near the first part of the movie, you really get a sense of who that could be. So I'll tell you what, it, though, it is truly a great concept for a film. It should have come way sooner than 14 years later after the original because this movie is just a fantastic ride from beginning to end. It is definitely one of the best films right now for the year of 2018. Cannot recommend it any higher. And like I said, 
if you come up to me on the street and you tell me that you liked Incredibles 2 better than Incredibles 1, I'm not going to fault you for it. If you come up to me and tell me that you liked Incredibles 1 over Incredibles 2, I'm not going to fault you for that either. I still maybe have Incredibles 1 slightly ahead, barely. You could throw a blanket over them because it is just such a tremendous ride from beginning to end. It flows a little bit faster and the throw flows a little bit better at times than the first one, but the first one might tell a slightly better narrative. But again, it, they're both just truly excellent films. I cannot recommend them higher. It is Incredibles 2 right now. You got to go see it at the theaters because I'll tell you what, you go and see it on the screen. You will see nothing but vivid colors, great action, an awesome narrative, and definitely a great story that warms the heart from beginning to end. It's all about family. And, and at this point in time, being at uh, the end of Father's Day weekend here and going into the week after, it just centralizes on that theme of family, truly makes it a worthwhile watching experience. I cannot express enough compliments for it. It's just truly an awesome ride. I will say this one more thing and just to touch on it once again. You don't have to see Incredibles 1 to see Incredibles 2, but it does give you a better perspective if you go see Incredibles 1 because they're both truly awesome films to see and, and I'm glad to see it's doing so well so far. Right now, it is the biggest hit all time as far as a start for Pixar and I couldn't be happier for them because they really have done an outstanding job of making a sequel definitely worth watching. All right. I'm talking about Jurassic Park. All right. That's that's our Friday show, my friend. Now, that movie is garnering big money at the box office overseas. Jurassic Park right now, the latest Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom has garnered close to $400 million overseas, and it hasn't even come out to the U.S. market as of yet. We'll be touching on that on our Friday episode, but right now, big numbers for Incredibles 2. I tried to stay out of spoiler land, my friend, but I will say this. It is a great movie you do not want to miss. Oh, I won't miss it. One day, I actually have time to go to the theaters this summer to watch movies and stuff, so that'll be good. I'm looking forward to that. It's on the top of my list. Where do you put Incredibles, the original, in your pantheon of the Pixar films? Because like I said before and on today's show that I have put it number one on my list. Yeah, I'd say it's number one. I'll be completely honest with you, though. I'm not a huge Pixar fan. I like Toy Story. I like the, you know, Incredibles. I liked, uh, is Coco Pixar? I want to say, okay, I like Coco. But I'm just not like a, a Pixar fanboy, though. I'm not into like Finding Nemo, Cars, stuff like Planes, whatever. But yeah, no, it's definitely at the top of my list. It, it's It was always one of my go-to movies whenever I wanted to watch something. So there's that. It has come out... 14 years later, I think it should have come out sooner. I'm glad to see, though, it's getting the reception critically and financially that it deserves because not only for my friend that works at Pixar, but also the fact that it's just a great movie and an outstanding ride from beginning to end. Let me know uh, what your thoughts are. We can go into more spoilers details as far as the, the criminals, the people who help, the new guest stars as far as that are involved, the new heroes and villains involved in the in the film as well, because that's something I want to delve more into. Hopefully when you get a chance to see it, we can talk more about that. But I think you'll enjoy it. And I think, like I said, the, what to me stood out the most as far as not only the great story, but the crisp animation looks better than ever from Pixar. 
Yeah, it's one of those uh, the because I mean the the animation the first one holds up really well, so I imagine the uh, just from what I've seen the trailers, the new one looks pretty good too. Okay, what was the gap between them though? Did this one take place right after the last one, or was there some kind of like oh, ten years later? No, there was no ten years later. It actually took like I will say, and this is not too much of a spoiler because it it pretty much hints to that in the trailers that it does deal with the underminer from the ending of the original Incredibles. And it picks it up pretty much from there and delves story-wise right from there. It does focus on the act that uh, in the first one, if everybody has seen the first one, there is a law that prohibits any superhero efforts from any superheroes pretty much banish them. So they, they address that issue in one way or the other during this movie. And if that's a big part of the movie as like it was in the original as well. So they don't stray too much from what people already know from the original. It does help if you see the original, but it does set you up very nicely for the second one. If you have not seen the, the original, so you're not going to be too lost if you haven't seen it. So it, it's just been a, a like I said, a, it's a great ride from beginning to end. The crowd was clapping and cheering when they finished seeing the film. And that's all to, and that to me is always a great sign when people are actually getting animated over a film from beginning to end and, and enjoying that. And it wasn't just kids too. Yes. Kids were in the theater laughing, expressing their, their laughter and, ex, you know, very expressive as kids can be during the time watching. And yes, it's a little bit distracting, but Hey, they're, they're enjoying it. So, so there you go. But adults as well were, were enjoying it. And I think it relates on all levels to, to any age group. But can I say this, my friend, keep an eye on Jack, Jack, the youngest of the par family and the baby in the group, because as the trailers have indicated, he plays a big part in this movie as well. Just really a great time overall. And I want to ask you this, my friend. Like I said, it's off to a $180 million start. Do you think, and when all said and done, it's going to outpace all the Toy Stories and Finding Dory and Finding Nemo, all of them, to be the biggest hit Pixar's ever had? Well, at this rate, uh, you know, if the number you're telling me some of the numbers and uh, at this at this rate, at this pace, if it keeps it up. Yeah, I, I think it will, because people, you know, like I said, it is impressive that 14 years later, this many people have wanted to see this movie and it's making this much money. So it could it could do that and more. We don't know yet. Yeah, we'll see, man. I mean, even with because I know like the the Toy Story movies, what they they're you know the the later ones had mixed reviews. So this this is just kind of goes to show you that people have a uh, lot of goodwill towards the series. And yeah, I think it could do uh, excellent box office numbers. Do you think the success of this movie right now, not to mention anything that Ant Man and the Wasp or anything that comes out? now until later at the end of the year for Disney, do you think that the success of The Incredibles 2 washes out the stain and any bad stigma right now going for Disney because of the poor showing by Solo, a Star Wars story? I don't uh, honestly like with that whole thing. I don't think that there's bad will towards Disney for Solo. I know a lot of Star Wars fans who actually really like the movie, and people who don't like Star Wars like the movie. So I think it's just a uh, 
bad marketing and you have you know your your trolls and your metacritics kind of messing with that one i when it comes out on dvd i i'm curious to see what the or dvd digital whatever I'm curious to see what the red box numbers are, what the rental numbers are, because I'm sure people are going to want to see that movie eventually. But, uh, you know, it, it's there are two different kinds of movies. You know, it's a, it's a Star Wars. Obviously, people aren't going to stop watching Star Wars because Incredibles is out. But I, I don't know how much bad will was like, I you know, I just heard about the Instagram stuff with the, the actresses and all or the you know, the people in the movie and all that. But. Yeah, it, it's people love Disney. People always love Disney. It's a it's a weird thing, you know. No matter how many flops Disney makes, people will always, always, you know, be willing to give them another chance. They're like the, uh, you know, they're like the dog that urinates in the living room time and time again. No matter how how many times they do it, no matter how angry you get, you just look into their eyes and you're like, oh man, I cannot stay mad at you. I'm sure you do that on a regular basis yourself at your house. Oh yeah, well, my dogs poop and they kick dirt into my face. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, you're so cute. Yeah, you're so cute. Well, I definitely agree with you on that account and that assessment. The next kid-centric movie is Hotel Transylvania 3 that comes out halfway in July. But even then, there's still many, many days to come for The Incredibles to reap success at the box office. And I'm looking forward to getting to see the numbers and what they're going to generate into. And even when it comes to Hotel Transylvania 3 that comes out, it's more of a kid's movie than it is a all-ages movie. Incredibles 2 seems to translate to a larger, broader audience that I think is going to be going to it, especially with that A-plus cinema score, the, the strong Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes rating and, and all that goodwill that's heading toward it. And like, like you said... I'm surprised it's held up over the 14 years that people still love it and still care about it and are so excited to see it. So I am, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think it, it could reach a billion dollars and be eventually the biggest Pixar movie of all time. What are your thoughts on Incredibles 2? Are you excited to see it? Have you seen it already? Please share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanity Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, like I said, we're going to have a great show here for you today. Speaking of Pixar, we've got Rob McCallum coming up in the Cosmic Crossfire. He's going to be talking about Pixar as well with John Lasseter, how his troubles with Pixar and his impending exit how that affects Rob in the way he perceives Pixar movies. He's going to be talking about that. Plus also as well, we are going to be talking about Wonder Woman 1984 and why stockholders are concerned over Nintendo. And of course, have a clip from one of the most recent Topicocalypse shows where Josh kind of lets the world in on a little bit of a secret that's haunted him for a long time now about one of his childhood video stars of his distant past so he's going to be talking a little bit more about that with the guys from topic Ocalypse later in the show i will say this the one that traumatized me when i was a kid gee that's kind of tough because that was the 70s shows you how long ago that was you know what i probably say it's wiley coyote and that's because i was so traumatized because the guy can never catch a break and i thought about that that was pretty bad. I, if I walked through life and I could never catch a break like that, even if I kept buying stuff from the Acme factory and all that, 
you know, really be up a creek on that one. So you ever see, um, I think his fan, I want to say it was family guy or, or something where they were saying like, what would happen if Wiley coyote actually caught the road runner? And then it shows him like, he wouldn't know what to do. He wouldn't yeah. know what to do. Yeah, it just shows him going about like a nine to five job. And then eventually he's like <laughs> uh, just doing life and he's just completely bored all the time and he loses purpose. And <laughs> you know, when you're a kid in the 70s, you, you don't really have much to draw on of that type of ilk. Maybe some of the stuff from HR Puff and stuff kind of psychedelic and weird in so many different ways uh, might reach there, but. Eh, that was like live action stuff like like you talked about with with your little scary creature from the past but i will let you talk more about that coming up here in the show it is definitely going to be a awesome program indeed but it all starts with rob mccallum in the middle of the cosmic crossfire coming up next this is the pop culture cosmos Nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, Head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Pop Culture Cosmos listeners, act now and get 15% off your order just by entering the promo code POD1, that's P-O-D and the number one at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. It's Gerald coming right back at you here with, along with my good friend. He is the man behind Rob McCallum Films. You gotta check out everything at robmccallumfilms.com. All of his great projects, his great stuff going on, including Box Art, the documentary, Power of Skull, and so much more. It's my good friend. It's Rob McCallum. What's going on, man? And the first thing I want to talk about is John Lasseter. A few shows ago, we talked about Lasseter possibly coming back. Should he come back? Which was the worst idea, I believe, was the segment that we first talked about it. And now it's been confirmed that Lasseter is going to leave Disney. The, the worstest idea of was Lasseter coming back. So according to a Slash Film article that piggybacks off stories in Variety in the New York Times, Lasseter will not be coming back. He will have a consulting role with the company through December 31st. The article continues to go on to say Disney has yet to announce a permanent replacement for Lasseter, but Jennifer Lee, who's the director of Frozen, and Pete Doctors, director of Inside Out, are both expected to take on increased responsibilities, with Lee handling Disney animation duties and Doctor handling Pixar. The question I've got, the impossible question, Gerald, is how do you move forward if you're John Lasseter? The answer to that is you really don't, pondering about the mistakes that you made while you were running Pixar. So... I think there is no happy ending to this because obviously of what took place, there should be no happy ending. And at this point in time, it's just going to be something that we all have to move on from in our own way. And Pixar as a company putting out great properties and try and not make the same mistakes as a company for Disney and Pixar. 
Yeah, I don't know that anybody's ever concerned about Lasseter's financial future. With the sale of Pixar alone, he's he's stood to make a lot of money there. Plus, he's probably got royalties on the films that he at least directed, if not executive produced up to this point. So he's always going to have a bit of a coin bank coming in every every quarter at the very least. How do you get out of bed knowing that you don't have anything to look forward to anymore? Well, uh, unfortunately, like I said, it's, it's self-made, this problem has been perpetuated by his own mistakes and his ignorance in regard to that issue. I mean, Oh, I don't feel sorry for him at all. You know what I mean? I don't feel sorry for him. I'm I'm not trying to say he's a victim. I just wonder, you know, when we think about the human condition, how do you go on? Is this, you know, another case where, well, this person might have to be on the suicide watch list because, what is he going to do with the rest of his life? He's seen his best years. It's a little bit like Orson Welles in that Welles came out into the film industry making the biggest film of all time at the very beginning of his career and everything else was downhill. At least Welles got to continue making films uh, on his own terms, more or less, until the end of his uh, life and career. Lasseter doesn't even have a chance to do that unless he's sneaking something in under the table or behind the scenes. But who's going to take a chance to get affiliated with a guy like this and I only ask this question because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a creative just like he is. So when I get up every day, the wheels are turning. I'm getting excited about different ideas. Just before we went on the air, I was writing two short films, just doing some outlining for them because I got some potential irons in the fire and a little teaser for everybody out there. John Lasseter's got nothing. He can't even do that because everything he touches is tarnished, very much like Bill Cosby or Harvey Weinstein or pick somebody else that's in the same conundrum. And I just wonder, how do you possibly move forward as a human for the rest of your life, knowing that you got family and kids? And what is this family and kids going to have to go through? You know, they're forever attached to them. Pixar, I think, can, you know, distance themselves. And same with Disney. I'm sure he still has friends there. That's their decision to make, how they want to associate. I can't imagine it being just as easy as flipping a switch saying, you're out of my life forever because of what you did. I'm sure it's a complicated thing. I'm not saying they agree with it. I'm not saying they're going to give them a pass. But this guy has got to be in a real moral conundrum. And I guess I I bring up the, the question to kind of put out there to all our listeners. You know, really think before you do things. Because all it takes is one bad decision to change your entire life. Sometimes for the good, but a lot of the times for the bad. And uh, for a guy that had so much promise, that was a pioneer, that got you know, special Oscars giving to him for, for the work that he had done. I can't uh, imagine a steeper fall from grace than, than what he's about to go through. And, and in some ways it's at least on the same level, if not worse than what what's happening with Harvey Weinstein, who's just, you know, a complete scumbag. It sounds like from beginning to end, but everybody knew he was a scumbag. He was, you know, a power monger control freak. It's Lassiter. You know, he comes across almost like with a childlike innocence because of his enthusiasm for the properties. And now he doesn't even get to do anything out there. There, There is no lesser of evils here, folks. But I wonder, how do we move on when we're, we're, in, we're in these situations? And how do we feel about his films in the past now? Are we allowed to like them again? You know, are we allowed to laugh at the Cosby show? Are we allowed to enjoy anything the Weinstein Company has released? Or is it forever tainted? You are allowed to like all the properties because there's so many people that worked so hard on those projects that are not Bill Cosby or John Laster, especially in the case of Pixar. There's so many hundreds of people. In fact, I know an individual myself, a longtime friend of mine who has been a part of some of those projects. 
I am not worried about what John Laster is going to be doing because these things were self-inflicted and I don't feel sorry for him. And unfortunately, he gets to ride off into the sunset with, like I said, all that cash, all that future earnings and all that doesn't seem fair that he perpetuated all these bad things while he was the head of Pixar. And unfortunately, he got to go ahead and do these things. And he still gets to ride off merrily into the sunset with whatever accomplishments, accolades, and also on continuous financial fortune that he's going to be able to maintain going forward. So I don't feel sorry for him. I want to make sure that's that's abundantly yeah, clear to everyone. Neither out do there. I. I don't think anybody. I, well, and I agree with you on that. But nobody should go ahead and feel like it's tainted. Like, for instance, the original Incredibles, which I consider to be the best Pixar movie, or any of the Toy Stories, or whatever, even up to Coco. I don't think anyone should have to feel like they're watching a tainted project because so many individuals, so much time and effort into crafting such a outstanding library of films. But when it comes to the Pixar movies, I think, hey, you know, they're there to enjoy for many years to come for a lot of kids, a lot of adults and, and everyone out there to enjoy the entire library. You know, I got to I got to disagree and I'm going to feel that connection and I'm going to constantly be reminded of Lasseter anytime I watch the Toy Story films and the Cars films in particular because those are the ones that he shepherded the most those are the ones where he's been director on even though Toy Story 3 he didn't direct but he was you know heavily involved in it Toy Story 4 is going to come out what do you think the headlines are going to be it's not going to be you know how awesome the film is there's going to be tons of mention of did the film perform well enough with or without Lasseter doesn't matter what role did Lasseter have in this? Did the leadership change when he left? Is that responsible for, for the for the feel of the film? I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to shake it. Like you said, with the Cosby show, it's a little hard. You have your titular character and the namesake, and they're always constantly reminding you. For me, because the Cars films were based on Lasseter's journey across country as a kid and, and the family vehicle and him recreating that, I feel the same way about those films and the early Toy Story films. Toy Story 4 comes out, I'm going to feel the same way. Like It just feels a little tainted that I can't believe I would like something or, or have a similar universal appeal to something with somebody that would do that kind of thing. Maybe I'm you know splitting hairs here, just how I kind of feel, and it, and it just kind of turns me the wrong way. But it is what it is, you know? Appreciate it, sir. Until next time. Until next time, indeed. Rob, it's always so great to have you on the show. And, of course, a part of the Cosmic Crossfire right here on the Pop Culture Based on the webcomic by Sarumaru, FX Unit Yuki is now available on the PC Engine and TurboGrafx systems. With eight varying stages of hardcore 2D action, an awesome soundtrack, and intense boss battles, FX Unit Yuki gets the adrenaline pumping as you navigate through its multiple difficulties and endings. Check out Old School Retro at its finest today by ordering a CD-ROM copy of FX Unit Yuki for the PC Engine or Turbo Graphics today at fxunityuki.com. That's fxunityuki.com. And we're back with the show. 
just want to let you know we're on online radio seven days a week on awesome radio stations all over the internet. Plus, we're on over 30 different podcast networks. Just look for us on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on any podcast network or podcast app you like. Plus, also as well, you can check out our entire radio schedule on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page or our Twitter as well, at Pop Culture Cosmo. Josh, I know you got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. So share with us, my friend, outside of those awesome array of E3 videos you get to show everyone, what's going on with your place known as Humanica Media? We have a new topic, Ocalypse, that has me and Chad, or Chad and I, for you grammar people out there, talking about E3 2018, some of the things that we saw. And it was weird because as I was editing this episode, I didn't realize how many things were under embargo that we couldn't talk about, but we talked about anyway. So I had to go through and cut all these conversations out. So it was a significantly <laughs> long episode when it started. Isn't it a pain in the side? Oh, yeah. And that because I went back and I checked my email box and I saw that they were sending me emails to remind me, hey, this says any coverage of this is embargoed until such and such. And I just had to roll my eyes. But yeah, um, so that's coming out. And, uh, you know, we're back on the podcast radio network. We'll have a special show for you on Tuesday night. Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. Plus, check us out there every Monday and Friday with the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Josh, I know you got a chance to see some set photos already because they're already starting to leak out. People are getting excited again over the next movie in the Wonder Woman series. The only movie from DC Films that seems to be garnering any positive momentum at this point in time. It's going to be called Wonder Woman 84, Wonder Woman basically 1984. So I guess that's the time frame we're dealing with, with not only her and not only Kristen Wiig, who's going to be playing her adversary, the cheetah, but as the director, Patty Jenkins, showed us, there might be another individual showing up that we're familiar with as well. Who, pray tell, showed up on the set this week and showed up in one of the action stills from that movie? Sir Christopher Pine of Wonder Woman 1 fame. First of all, all the stuff I'm seeing of Aquaman looks really good, so I hope that that holds up to uh, the expectations. Second of all, Chris Pine, how is he in this movie? What is going on? Everyone's predicting some kind of like time warp or some kind of time travel or something. I don't know, but like I'm just trying to figure out theories because if he were, you know, if he didn't die, something had to have happened. Was he frozen? What happened? We don't know because if he, if he didn't, he's just kind of chilling all these years. He'd be a lot older than what he looks right now. So maybe these, this is like a from a dream sequence, and she's imagining what life with him would have been like. I don't know. Tell me your theories. Well, first of all, in the TV show and in the comics, they've had a situation where they've had Steve Trevor have a lookalike basically be the son. But that still doesn't make very much sense because they didn't uh, have a son together. So I don't know about that. He didn't say he had any previous relationships or anything in the first movie. So again, that, that kind of makes it kind of weird. Could be a flashback of some type. But we do know one thing. There is no Steve Trevor in the current Justice League time frame. I watched Justice League last night. 
again, uh, uh, I've seen it. It's actually better the second time around to me. I thought it was more palatable than the first time I saw it in theaters. But at, at this point in time, if you're going to stay within that time frame or under, you know, you're going to keep that what they are talking about her and Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill and Aquaman and all that. If you're going to keep all that tied into each other, then there is no Steve Trevor in our current time frame. Even if Steve Trevor, who is played by Chris Pine, if he does something, if he reappears or hits his son or descendant or some type in that movie in Wonder Woman 84, something happens to him in that movie that he doesn't make it to our current time frame some 35 odd years later, roughly. Yeah, it's all very interesting. I had read a, another theory saying that this is going to help tie in the Flash movie, something about the uh, uh, Flashpoint or what. I, they're not doing Flashpoint anymore, but it's going to be there's going to be some kind of tie into the Flash that's like, oh, people can travel through time and stuff or what. Now, I don't know, man. I'm I'm excited to see what happens, but I just I right now I have no idea what that can mean because if you did the the ice thing. One, where'd the ice come from? Who did someone collect his body or what happened with that? Two, that's just one more uh, thing that makes Wonder Woman like Captain America. So it's... Exactly. And on top of that, when you watch Justice League, you see so many similarities to the Avengers and Captain America and all that in the first place that you want to try and veer away from that as much as you can. I I know you only can create up and think up so many scenarios that are in somewhat of a similar fashion to the Marvel universe. But when you watch justice league, one of the detractions from it is the fact that they have mirrored in so many different ways, the same things that were done in the Avengers and Marvel cinematic universe. And now you're doing the same thing again here with justice league and all that. And now if you're trying to say something about frozen and things of that nature in wonder woman, 1984, like you said, that's just going down that same road as Captain America. And I don't really think they're going to be doing something like that. Yeah, yeah, because they've already been they've already been critiqued on that and our critique, but yeah, I guess critiques would be the word. Uh yeah, they've already Oh yeah, yeah, they've been critiqued all right on that. People are already very critical. So I mean it's I, I don't think at this point ripping off ideas from the MCU is something that would be in their best interest, but you know, again. How is this possible? Is it? And I, I really, my next thing is like, I hope it's not some kind of shape shifter or whatever, because I think that shape shifting villains are super lame, and I don't, I don't want to. My, my theory is that maybe he's, you know, she's, it's, it's like a hallucination or something or like a dream, but that's all I can really come up with at this moment. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Do they know when there's a, a, a trailer dropping for this? Because the movie's supposed to come out in 2019, right? Yeah, I would not expect it until November or December uh, for a trailer for it, personally. Because like you said, it's not going to come out until, what, 2019? So I'd, I'm going to say I, I'm going to say you're not going to see anything until November or December. They're certainly not going to do a solo, a Star Wars story, where they put it out the last minute and wait for the Super Bowl. They're going to put out at least a teaser trailer at some point before the end of 2018, don't you think? Yeah, I would hope, but at the same time, look, we're we're getting Aquaman in December, and we still haven't gotten any kind of teaser or anything for that movie. I know that there's a, been a, a history of DC producers like being told not to say bad things about movies before they come out, but like, 
you know, one, James Wan is actually not a bad director. Two, the people who are saying the movie is good are people who, you know, they, they have pretty good reputations and I don't think they would lie to us. So I'm, I'm feeling like Aquaman might be the uh, the first male hero movie that didn't get screwed up. But I actually like Man of Steel, so I'm, I might be alone on that island. But uh, this might be a good follow up. Well, I got news for you, my friend. Both that kind of surprised me too. I, I haven't thought about it since they they first originally announced it. That it's over a year in the making as far as Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four is concerned. So we might not actually see a teaser trailer until twenty nineteen because it's not coming out till November of next year, which to me is kind of strange because I think that it should be like a summer or a spring movie, but. Hey, they obviously know what they're doing with Wonder Woman, so I'm not going to pretty much argue about that one. The rest of DC films, that's all up in the air. But I will say this. This wasn't a photo or a captured image that was rushed off the set that was taken by you know a journalist or taken by a fan or taken by... This was given out and this was taken as an actual movie still and it was actually tweeted out by the director patty jenkins so this was very much intentional to get this kind of dialogue going and speculation on exactly what it's all about yeah i mean it's as far as marketing goes this is actually pretty clever to put those little stills out and you know they did that with justice league also but that just did not turn out they're like all right here's a poster of the all five of them standing together a week later here's another poster but they're turned at a different angle so hopefully wonder woman will you know, be mysterious with their pictures, at least. I hope so. And, you know, if you give Justice League another try, it's not that bad. It's actually, I give it a, a little bit better rating than Batman versus Superman at this point in time. It, to me, it was, it's it's still kind of watchable. There are some UG moments on it. I, I, I give you that. But for the most part, I guess it's not that bad. But I'm hoping to see the Justice League uh, series continue and i'm hoping to see these films like aquaman wonder woman 1984 and so on and so forth whatever batman the joker prequel i'm hoping it still ties into an eventual justice league 2 because i think if they're going to emulate any model from the marvel cinematic universe that's what they should emulate and the justice league movies should be the biggest ones of all i understand that was what they were trying to go for with the original didn't quite pan out but I think if they try it one more time and they build it up in the right fashion that a Justice League 2 or whatever they call it the next time around can be the movie that they really will put them back on the marquee if Wonder Woman 1984 doesn't do it first. What are your thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984? Did you see Chris Pine in that action still? And did you see him there at as far as in the middle of filming and, and him being part of the next sequel, even though we thought for sure he was a goner in the original. What plans do you think they have for him? What do you think he's doing there? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or popculturecosmo on Twitter, or you can send a message to us at Humanica Media, Game Source, and also, again, popculturecosmos on Facebook as well. Coming up next, Josh is going to relive his old times being traumatized as a kid by his what would i say childhood tv idol no a childhood tv thing that i was forced to watch by my mother 
<laughs> no. And the topic apocalypse guys will delve more into that here coming up right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. Guys, we're back with another episode of In Topic Apocalypse. Um, sorry, we have not, you know, it's been a while since we've all been together. I know okay, Brian Kane, PhD, uh, just got back from the royal wedding. How was that? Great. Good. All right. Um, there, there, <laughs> there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Well, who is Brian Kane? Brian Kane, PhD. Hello. What are we talking on? And uh, I'm joined here also by Big Dog, Justin Linehan. So, so. And Daniel. <laughs> bark, Dan- bark, Dan- bark. <laughs> Bark, bark. Yep. Da- Daniel Knightsk. All right, so... What? I you should just topic. try this intro again. What? This is, this is like... What? This is Topic Topicocalypse. <laughs> to be the, fair, there the is the podcast, podcast on the internet. And Podcast Radio Network. And Podcast Radio Network. At the end of Pop Culture Cosmos At Multiverse the end of Pop episodes. Culture Cosmos, yeah. That's a podcast you're on, and you, you seem to know very little about it. Yes. Comment. <laughs> Concerned, maybe. <laughs> Gerald. Uh, Gerald. Yeah, Gerald Glassford, we love you. Thank you yes, for your support. Thank you. Thank you for everything you do for us. All right, guys, I want to talk to you about childhood icons that scared us when we were kids. So, high on the list of my things is uh, Scoutmaster Gerald. Scoutmaster Gerald, yeah. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese Uncle characters. Rick. Oh, the one, like the actual characters or the one, or the animatronic the ones? The animatronic on ones. Oh, Chuck E. Cheese ones? Chuck E. Oh. Cheese. On, when they're just like staring at you? Well, you have, there's parts when there, there's a delay in the programming. What was that? <laughs> I wish we had video. <laughs> yeah, if you guys. Uh, look, dude. They're like, like staring into like, your you soul. You can imagine how creepy a robot from Chuck E. Cheese was, and Denial did a great impression. I tried. Right. You should, uh, you should capture that on a boomerang and put that up on our social, Josh. All right. Dude, the part where they're, they're not that. moving at all, like the no show, but they, they blink randomly. Yeah. <laughs> or their eyes will move. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys seen like the original Mickey Mouse from the fifties? Oh my yeah. god, yes! Oh. That, it was the, just a guy in like pajamas, right? That is what nightmares are made out of, Whew, buddy. That so? Do you guys have any like things from your youth that? Well, you're about to you go. Okay, well my my first one here is, well, I guess my my biggest fear when I was a child was this talking blue Bible that my mom used to make me watch called Salty. I'm sorry. Can you please spell salty? To salty is spelled with a uh, with a p in the beginning, like psalm. And the point of this like would pterodactyl, pterodactyl, like pterodactyl. And the point of salty the Bible <laughs> is that he would have a. <laughs> it sounds really creepy. Okay, when I explain it, it, this, it really is looking creepy too. <laughs> Google it. Go on YouTube. So salty would be out in the woods with a bunch of children. <laughs> <laughs> He's bringing the lost. <laughs> and he would sit there, or not sit there, but like I'm... the kids would all be gathered around this dark forest with this giant blue Bible. <laughs> and he would sit there and like tell them Bible stories. And he, if you look in the videos, he touches the kids very like inappropriately. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just a, a man with like a, a bowl cut. 
and he's got glitter all over his face, and he was just. He had like the the weird white gloves that like Disney characters have and stuff, and it was just scared me. Like I, my mom would make me sit there and watch this because she was huge into like Bible culture when I was a kid. Me, and my sister would sit there and watch this. My sister absolutely loved it. She loved like Salty and the Donut Man and Sandy Patty, all these people who I look back at do like very. That sounds sketchy. That sounds so bad. Questionable. Yeah. The Donut Man. The Donut Man. Salty um, and the Donut Man. Salty and the that Donut Man. Sounds like man. a very horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Donut, man. Oh, I can't. This is like this is awful. This is driving me crazy. So I would, my mom would make me watch these, and I would have. I had one vivid nightmare one night where I was running through the cardboard forest that is salty set, and that, he was. That's when we'll get a little ra- he was, alliteration there. Boys. He was chasing me. You know what? What God's word? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna hide. Yeah, and I think. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> <laughs> we almost had a coke oh, spray. Man. Oh man! <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, and it was... That's awful. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, so this... That is oh, my biggest my weird. biggest fear, and it still gives me nightmares like when I think about it, so I can't even... Good luck I'm sleeping gonna, tonight. I'm going to hear Josh screaming, No salty yeah. from my house. <laughs> this is <laughs> half a mile away. <laughs> this is a very sore subject for me, guys. What about you guys? Any... Uh, like salty hit any, God's word somewhere in yeah, you? Yeah, salt, yeah. <laughs> With that creepy blue mustache that he has. Hey, kids! <laughs> you should, uh, with all your media powers, do like a spoof salty now. Would it be relevant, though? I think you could make it relevant. <laughs> and two, also on salty, it always rained in that cardboard forest, and salty's pages never got soggy. So mm. what about Ooh. you guys? <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so yeah, my quote-unquote child icon that gave me nightmares was Chucky, obviously. But it wasn't actually Chucky. So when growing up, they had the My Buddy and Kid Sister dolls. I had a My Buddy. One night, I haven't even, hadn't even watched Child's Play or anything like that because I was sheltered from it. Thing. But I had a nightmare that my My Buddy doll came to life and was trying to kill me. Nobody else could see him moving. It was just me. And I was like... Five in the Sounds dream. like the plot of Chucky. And, <laughs> he was just <laughs> messing with you? Just coming after me. And so, like, they put my parents and family members, like, yeah, you're crazy or whatever. They put me in, like, baby bouncers. And in the dream, I was, like, five. And Chucky started... Five-year-old in a baby bouncer? Exactly. It was a weird dream. Bear with me. But then all of a sudden, I feel him start stabbing my legs. And <laughs> with I a, wake... With a knife? With a knife. With a knife. <laughs> And it's just like, and so I wake up, wake up screaming because I feel, I think that my legs are now bleeding, like bleeding out. And it was just all because of Chucky, but it was a My Buddy doll. It wasn't actually Chucky. My doll was possessed. How did that make you feel? I'm kind of scarred from it still. Like if I see a, like if I see one of those dolls, I'd probably lose it. Have you seen, um, I think I threw that Annabelle, that horror movie with Annabelle with that creepy doll? So I watched a Ghost Adventures where they actually... Come at Went me, to the gross. Amityville, whatever. Right, is it Amityville? No, is no. They did an Amityville, but no, they actually investigated the actual Annabelle, the OG Annabelle doll. Which is oh, really, where it comes from, the, the legend. The actual from. doll that the legend came from. Yeah. What is it? Is it, is it all like porcelain looking? Like the no, one it's, in the like, movie? it's like a raggedy Ann doll. Oh, dang. Do you guys ever do Cabbage Patch Kids? No. My, uh, I, had, I think I had one. No, my mom and dad had, I had, I had, I, I had one. My grandma, when I went up to her house in Sacramento, she had a whole like wall full of cabbage the, the patch porcelain kids. The porcelain ones that she adopted, yeah, yeah, yeah porcelain, porcelain dolls and like cabbage patch kids I had and like puppies. 
Those are a bad mm. name for dogs now. Right. Pound puppies. Thing, now that I think about it. But no, she had this wall of like uh, Cabbage Patch Kids and porcelain dolls that would just like stare at me while I was sleeping. And one night I got so creeped out that I had to pick them up and move them out into the hallway. Oh, wow. Because like I swore that their eyes were following me around when I was like moving. Do you guys ever have the elf on the shelf around Christmas time? No. It's like th- a new thing. I never had I that just ever. I saw, I've seen one my grandmother and they're very had, terrifying. My grandmother had pixies that she would put on her oh. um on the like the banister mm. or whatever. But that was it, but no, yeah, think for your guys' view, here's the original Annabelle doll. Yeah. Looks just like looks see? like Raggedy Ann. So what you. what makes it haunted? What's this? It's so, supposed to be possessed. It's possessed, it's possessed by demons. By yeah. demons. You and should see Annabelle and was it the con- not the Conjuring? Well, I no, I, it was called Annabelle. I saw the no, first, but there's there's oh, oh, oh. other movies involved with it. Too. I saw the I first saw, Annabelle movie, but I didn't see the most I recent. There, one. I think it is the con- no, it's not the Conjuring. No, the most recent one is the one where they go into the actual history of it. Okay, right. yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, that, I haven't that, seen that. The one. Annabelle is the history of the doll and how like there's a, been so some kid died or something like that. All right, guys. Well, you can find this podcast on podcast.com, Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, and other great podcasting outlets around the globe. Also, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash topicocalypse. And Meghan Markle follows us on Instagram. And Meghan Markle does follow us because, as I mentioned earlier, Brian Kane, PhD, attended the royal wedding. He knows her. He wasn't invited, but he was there. So, uh, all right. Until next time. This is good. Peace. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos one more time. This is Gerald. Thank you so much for being part of the program and listening to us and just checking in with us week after week on all of our great shows. Want to thank Rob McCallum for being in the middle of the Cosmic Crossfire. Of course, all the guys from the Topicocalypse as well, thanking them for their time for being on the show. If you want to check out all the great stuff that's going on there, Humanica Media on YouTube or as well, Topicocalypse on so many different podcast outlets, starting with Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and more. Check out all of their great shows. These guys have a great time. They're always laughing it up, and they always go ahead and make you smile in one way or another. It is a little bit on the NSFW side, but if you're not afraid of that, it's definitely some good listening indeed. Josh, before we head on out, want to talk about Nintendo. We spoke last week after we saw the conference. I didn't think it was a bad conference at all. I thought it was a decent showing. No, it wasn't a barn burner that last year had with all the stuff going on with with Zelda and, of course, Mario Odyssey right after that. But I didn't think it was a bad conference at all on their part. In fact, I thought it was the best of the three major publishers. You didn't think it was such a bad one, even though it wasn't your favorite. But after the conference itself... The shares dropped dramatically for Nintendo in Japan, dropping as much as 20%. So I ask you, Josh, stockholders are very concerned about what's going on with Nintendo, not only for this year, but going forward until another Zelda and Mario come back 
on their own games, stuff like that, instead of being part of something else with the Super Smash Brothers. Why do you think they were so concerned about Nintendo for this year and going forward when Pokemon and Super Smash Brothers are coming this year to the console? I don't know. This was news to me until I, you know, did a little research on it this morning. But yeah, it turns out that the the shares dropped and people are I, the people in charge of Nintendo have been notorious for not liking video games. So I don't I don't know what's going on. Like I thought that this E3 showing was was cool. Yeah, it's I think the problem was there like last time they had a lot just a lot of you know popular games. They had you had Mario, Zelda stuff, you had all kinds of stuff that people were looking forward to. Whereas here you have your Super Smash Brothers, you have Mario Tennis, and then the the stuff on the side there are just things that nobody had really heard of. Obviously uh Project Octopath looks really good and it's got a lot of people following that game. But you know the other things they had like the Xenoblade expansion because I heard Xenoblade Chronicles wasn't really that great and didn't really review that well. But there's just not a lot of like they they had their their two big announcements like their two big characters but there's no not really any solo outings for any of these characters. Like that's what people like to like to see. Mario Odyssey like to see their Zeldas they like to see their, um, you know, their Donkey Kongs. I was surprised that they didn't have a new Donkey Kong game coming out. Like that was a big shocker to me. But you would think that with Smash, Super Smash Brothers, and Pokemon coming out, that that would be enough to carry them into next year. There were a lot of titles that maybe the regular stockholders and shareholders weren't as familiar with. I can understand why a lot of people are upset. I know. When I spoke to Douglas and Nicole from Retro City Games, who went down there at E3 2018, they were kind of on the fence themselves on what Nintendo was showing out there, including the Super Smash Brothers, because like I said, it's not entirely a new game, but it kind of is a new game. So it's, it's, it's kind of weird how they're doing it because we were worried, I know for a long time, you and I, is this new Super Smash Ultimate going to be something that is a entirely new game or is it something that's borrowed from the past and it does look like it's a little bit of both but pokemon is still coming to nintendo switch later this year with the new free game that's available already with the response on fortnite coming to nintendo switch i think the shareholders should be really excited about what's coming to the nintendo switch and what just came out on the nintendo switch with also pokemon on the way in november and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate right after that. They shouldn't underestimate Pokemon because I think that's a big part of Nintendo's portfolio and should be important to all the stockholders that are concerned about Nintendo's future going forward. What are your thoughts on Nintendo's 2018? Are you troubled by maybe the lack of announcements that you wanted to hear? Or are you excited for what they have coming out for the rest of 2018? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, like I said earlier, Friday show, we're going to have a nice bit of talk on Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom. Any last thoughts on the way out, my friend? Just keep looking out for E3 stuff. I'm going to put some videos up on the old Pop Culture Cosmos channel at some point this week, so you can check that out too. Yeah, actually, I bought Forza Motorsport 7 uh, the other day, so I'm, I want, I'm really excited to play. I got, got my Xbox controller ready, so we, we can talk about that later too if you want to. 
Definitely want to talk about where the Forza series is heading because we know there's been a lot of issues with the repetitiveness and people saying, oh, they're just, it's a given. But Forza in itself as a series really has looked good and played very well and is a cornerstone of the Xbox universe. One last shout out before we go. Thanks so much to everybody that listens to our show on online radio that downloads our programs. But a big thank you this week to everybody else who has given us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and also everybody who has viewed our show all the hundreds of times on our Retro City Games Facebook page. To all of you, I say thank you so much. It's so glad to have you part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. What is the Geekly Oddcast? It's a panel show of television. I mean, seriously, where else was I supposed to go and watch Gomez Adams ride a rocket ship on a railroad track? Gaming. And the dice say... 17. Oh my god, 17 is Mystic Quest. And whatever comes to mind. Why does Zod need a starship? Alternating Thursdays on the Geekly Oddcast. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.